Welcome to the Mothering Wildlife Podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a zoo professional working full-time and also a mom to two little boys. I know firsthand how challenging the zoo field can be, physically, mentally, and emotionally. I also know how much work it is to raise tiny humans. I want to share the stories of those moms who are out there caring for wildlife and caring for kids. My hope is that this podcast can build a community of moms, sharing ideas and supporting each other because we're all in this together. We're all just mothering wildlife. Hi, and welcome back to the Mothering Wildlife Podcast, where we talk about caring for wildlife and caring for kids. My name is Elizabeth, and I'm your host. Thanks for joining me again this week. I'm excited to bring another Zoo Mom story for you. Um, I just have to say before we get started, though, that if you are a mom that is dealing with summer camp, um, I see you and I feel you, and I'm sure that we are in the same boat love summer camp. I'm very thankful that um, I'm able to send my kid to summer camp. Um, I feel very privileged, but at the same time, camp hours are awful. (laughs) They are. This particular camp, actually this week, um, the camp hours are 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. And my working hours are 7.30 a.m. until 4.30 p.m. And it just does not line up with (laughs) what I need. Um, But that's okay. I guess I should be thankful because it does give me an hour and a half in the mornings with uh, my oldest son, Silas, where we kind of are like, what do we do? Um, So on Mondays, him and I have been going and having breakfast, which has actually been really, really nice to make lemonades out of lemon, I guess. Um, We have pancakes at a little place down the street from the zoo and we sit outside and we chat and we eat our breakfast. And um, it's, it's nice to have that time because I don't normally get that time with him. Um, throughout the rest of the week, especially when we're at home because we have a very um, demanding two-year-old who always wants my attention. So that part has been nice. But honestly, you know, it leaves the question of what do you do the rest of the week um, between 7.30 and 9 because I this camp doesn't offer before care or after care. And I'm sure I'm not the other only mom out here who has struggled with that conundrum. Um, Fortunately for me, the Naples Zoo has been amazing and they allow me to bring him to work and he will sit in the conference room, which is just across the hallway from my office, and he either draws or he colors or he plays on his tablet until it's time to go. So I know I'm very lucky that I have that option. I know not all moms have that option. So I just want you all to know that it is challenging. I see you and it can be very hard to try to figure out the schedules and, and where kids are going to go. And I know that I've talked about that a lot so far with most of the moms that I've interviewed. So we see you out there and it's almost over. School's almost started again. So we're already into almost the third week of July. So that's good. Anyway, um, my conversation this week is with Libby Hayes. She's a senior animal caretaker at the Oklahoma City Zoo. And I loved my conversation with Libby. Um, She's just a great person to talk to. You know, she has older kids and she's been in the field for um, a while. And she just has a really great outlook on how to advocate for yourself and how to advocate um, for your family um, as a zoo professional. And um, she just has um, some really great things to say. So I hope that you'll enjoy my conversation with Libby Hayes of the Oklahoma City Zoo. Thank you so much for being with me today and for agreeing to talk to me about your Zoom mom journey. Of course, I'm excited. Cool. Yeah, we're going to dive right into first a little bit about your zookeeping journey since um, we are talking about Zoom moms. And so I would love to know kind of like what made you want to be a zookeeper and how you got to where you are today in the zoo field. 
All right. Well, um, I was the kid who always loved animals. Um, my favorite story to tell is that my mom would go over like not crossing the road and making sure that like, if you see a friend across the street, do you cross the road? And I'm like, no. And she's like, your ball goes out. Do you cross the street? And I'm like, no. She's like, there's a puppy on the other side. And I was like, yes, (laughs) like animals were my thing. Um, and I learned quickly that I didn't want to be a zoo vet because I wanted the animals to like me. Yeah. Um, so I did a couple internships um, at Blank Park's Blank Park Zoo in Des Moines, and then at Omaha Zoo, and um, just really enjoyed the the career and knew that I was heading in the right direction. Um, and then my first full time zoo job was um, at Moody Gardens, which is down in Galveston, Texas. A lot of people aren't familiar with them, but they're amazing. They're great. I love them. Um, But I got that first job actually because um, while I was in college, I was determined to have um, animal experience as my job instead of working at Target. Um, And so I worked at a place called Ryman Gardens, which was a butterfly garden. And so I got a lot of butterfly experience and Moody Gardens was having a temporary butterfly summer exhibit. And so they needed someone with butterfly experience and then they would teach them everything else after the fact. And yeah. so that's how I got my foot in the door. Didn't know that was going to happen. Yes, butterflies. Um, I haven't worked with them since. <laughs> but, uh, that was great. I was there for the first few years of my zookeeping journey. Um, my husband went to school there after he had got out of the Navy. And then when he graduated, we moved to Dallas with his job. And then I worked at the Dallas Zoo for almost six years. Um, and then I'm a person who likes new things and I can't do the same thing for too long. Um, and so then we made our way to Oklahoma city. So I'm at the Oklahoma city zoo now. Um, it will be four years here in October. So it's coming up. Yeah. Time. Wow. That is a long time. That's like flown by because for our listeners, Libby and I know each other from the Dallas zoo briefly. We didn't ever really work together, but we were both there at the same time. And I can't believe it's already been four years that. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, and even though, like you said, we didn't work together, I had a brief stint working in the team that you were on right after you you left because there was someone out on maternity leave and everybody like couldn't stop singing your praises. So I'm (laughs) sad I didn't get to work with you. Thanks. That's nice of them. Um, So what taxon do you primarily work with? I know the answer to this question, but I'm sure you would love to tell us. (laughs) So I am on our carnivore team. Um, So I like to, for people who aren't zookeepers, I always do the lions, tigers, and bears because it is true. Um, But um, we're very unique at the Oklahoma City Zoo. We have such a large collection that our carnivore team takes care of non-carnivores as well. Um, So I'm actually moving into a new primary role uh, where the animals I will take care of on the majority of my days are domestic goats, (laughs) uh, sheep, and um, a bunch of new animals that are coming in our new Expedition Africa section. So that's meerkat, mongoose, um, honey badger, which I'm really excited about, um, getting advice from you, Uh, (laughs) naked mole rats, um, tenric, some other mice species. So um, I kind of care for everything uh, that could or potentially ever eat me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I was just at the Oklahoma City Zoo recently for the AZA mid-year and like you guys have a great collection. That's I had never been to that zoo and it is a lot bigger than I thought it was going to be. Like there's some yes. things there. Yes, there is. 
So yeah, cool. So did you always want to be a mom? I would say yes. I think that I had that like idea in my head of like the nuclear family. Like I was going to be married and have a boy and a girl. Like I had just that like picture perfect, like, you know, ranch house with a white picket fence idea when I was a kid. A dog and a cat. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. One of everything playing the game of life. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, I, I think I always wanted to be a mom. I was technically a single um like child I had step brother and I had half sisters but the majority of my childhood I lived it was just me and my mom and my stepdad um so I think that I knew that not only did I want to have a family but I always knew that I wanted to have multiple kids because there were certain things where I, I had to like grasp on to certain friendships to fill that like sibling role mm-hmm. Yeah. I have heard that before from other friends that I have who are kind of like only children is that, yeah, that they want a big family or they want siblings or they want their children to have siblings because they, they felt like there's just that connection sometimes between siblings that, you know, they wish they had, or maybe they didn't have it exactly the way they wanted to. So exactly. I always wanted a twin. Oh, too. <laughs> I always wanted a twin. I always wanted to have twins. Exactly. But now that I have children, I'm like, I don't know if I would want to have twins. <laughs> it would have been so hard. It would have been so hard. Yeah, it is hard. Those moms of multiples have my utmost like respect and admiration because it's hard. <laughs> Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your kids then. Who who made you mom? Okay. So um, my first, he's uh, now 15. He's going to be a sophomore next year, which is just insane. Um, his name is Trayden. Um, and he's the one who made me a mom. Um, he is also, I like to say like he was the glue uh, for me and my husband because we got married with my husband on deployment. Oh my goodness. And for anyone who is a military spouse, um, it is challenging, um, to say the least. Um, and so he definitely helped me be like, you know what, I got to stick through this because like, he's the father of my son. (laughs) So, uh, he definitely, you know, helped our family really, um, become solid between me and my husband and, um, him. And then, um, a few years later, uh, we have our middle son. His name is Seely. He is turning 13 in August. And then um, our youngest is Taylor. He's seven. Um, And he was our, you know, what if, what if we could have a girl uh, thought? Um, And then we had a third boy, which we are incredibly blessed with. Um, And he literally was like the missing piece, Um, even though we were going for the idea of having a daughter. uh, Having three boys is just, I think, what we were meant to have um and it it's really it's a lot of fun that's for sure yeah I can imagine having two boys and myself and we have also toyed with the idea potentially of having a third and I'm like I'm sure it will be a boy (laughs) because I'm just still like destined to be a boy mom and have boys and they are chaotic and loud and rambunctious and like yes (laughs) that's right well I so by the time you have a third, which most people who have multiples know that at that point, you're like, okay, a lot of this is old hat. Like I've done this. I'm familiar. So I was at the doctor's office for something else and they had an ultrasound machine and they were just like, do you want to look at your baby? Like you've already paid for this appointment. And I was like, of course, of course yeah. I do. And they're like, well, we can tell you the gender. My husband wasn't there, but I was like, it's fine. Go ahead. You, you can tell me. 
And they said, boy, and I just laughed hysterically <laughs> for so many minutes. They thought something was wrong. <laughs> um, and it was just perfect. It was just, it was perfect. <laughs> That's cool. I'm glad he rounds out your family though. I also have a seven-year-old, so <laughs> we can relate on that. <laughs> Do they like to go to the zoo with you? Do they come in and spend time there? So they, they've been spoiled on what zoos are from when they were young. Um, my time at Moody Gardens, I had like an amazing team and an amazing boss. And with it being a smaller zoo, I think that we were just um, had different allowances than a larger zoo. And so I remember trading when he was little, he would come to the zoo with me and be able to like, like help me train an animal. Like I have pictures of him targeting animals and pictures of him having a bird fly to a stick he was holding. And just like, he had those like really close like moments, like meeting penguins and Mm -hmm. stuff behind the scenes. And so as we've progressed um, through my career into different animals that I've worked with and different zoos I've worked at, um, if they don't get to do something that a zookeeper does behind the scenes. They they think, why did we come to the zoo if we're not going behind the scenes? <laughs> right. <laughs> so even when we visit other zoos, because um, I'm still like a zoo buff, like whenever I travel, it's like what zoos are nearby. I want to see, you know, what their habitats look like and, you know, what their enrichment is. And uh, the kids are like, well, is there any behind the scenes? And I'm like, no, we're just going to go see it like a guest. And they're <laughs> like, why? <laughs> They are a little spoiled on like having fed a tiger before and, you know, feeding bears and like they've got to, you know, really see animals in a unique way that they're kind of ruined for zoos the rest of their lives. Yeah, no, 100% ours are the same way. I mean, we have been able to bring home baby animals and raise them and that's not typical at every facility and hundred percent not typical at Naples anymore. But like he, of course, you know, is exposed to all of that. And it's like, that's, that's not typical. <laughs> like <laughs> get used to that. Like, I think you're a little jaded, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, they do think we have the coolest job ever. Do your, do your kids think that they just have like the coolest mom who has the neatest job? And, and it's obviously very, you know, different from their friends, I'm sure. Um, to be honest, I think it's gotten a little old hat for them um, <laughs> that like they don't even they don't even see it as something unique anymore because yeah. it's been so long and it's just always been what mom did. Yeah. Um, it's more of whenever we meet a new family or a new couple and we do the whole like, what do you do? What does your spouse do? Conversation. Um, my husband tries to explain what he does. And then when they like glaze over, he goes, and my wife's a zookeeper. And then like, then they like liven up and they're like, oh, okay. Okay. Tell me more. That's the coolest job. Um, so I feel like I actually get more of the excitement from other adults. What if your kids wanted to be a zookeeper? Was it something that you might encourage in them or with with caution? (laughs) I am going to, I'm actually going to be honest with this one. Um, I, we are a big, you know, we want them to do what they love and we want them to enjoy their job so that going to work isn't an, Oh, I have to go to work today moment. Um, but we also want them to be set up for success to also do other things in their life. Like I have learned that I love to travel Mm -hmm. and that is hard to do on a zookeeper salary. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have done, we've tried to be like, 
look at the pros and cons of all jobs. And I have been very honest that zookeeping has some really cool pros, but it also has some very challenging cons. And so I just try to tell them to like, look at it with an open eye. I always say, if you become a zookeeper, don't marry a zookeeper. <laughs> yeah, I, I did that. That maybe was <laughs> just trying to help you be able to pay for groceries. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I have my kids, none of them, um, they all want to be something different or they don't know what they want to be. I haven't had one of them really say that they want to work with animals, which is completely fine. I don't want to push that on them. Um, I more want them to love animals and respect animals um, so that when they are, you know, on a vacation that they're making good decisions with their tourism choices or that when they're going hiking, that they respect the native wildlife that lives there. Like I'm hoping that my love for animals can help them in that part of their life as they grow up, even if they don't want it to be part of their career. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that's like the most perfect answer. So just, uh, you know, hoping that they have an appreciation for nature and the environment and like an understanding of how it's all connected is like 100% the goal. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. So where were you working when you first became a mom? You said that he's 15. (laughs) So where was that at? (laughs) Well, so I got pregnant early. um, And so like, I guess I was a very young mom, I was 20. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was in college still in between internships, I actually um, found out I was pregnant during my internship in Omaha. And since I was a 20 year old, and my husband was in the Navy, and we weren't living together at the time, it was just like, um, overwhelming. So I actually left my internship early to literally just go home and kind of cry. Like I I didn't need to leave my internship, but I did halfway through it. Um, And um, I had to forego, I had another internship lined up the next summer because you have to line them up so far in advance. Um, But that one I did have to forego. And what's funny is that it was an internship working with a, like a big cat sanctuary because I knew I wanted to work with carnivores but like you can't work with carnivores until you've worked with carnivores um, type of thing. And so it it's kind of unique that like I knew then that that's what I wanted to do, but I had to, you know, work with a bunch of other animals first and kind of have a journey back. And then I did realize that, yeah, like I, I was on the right track of what I thought I wanted. Um, so we had our first son. And then when I got my first full-time job, I was actually pregnant with my second Um And so that was a challenge all in its own because I was starting as a new keeper, very green at a new facility. We had traveled, you know, partway across the country from Iowa to Texas. And um, I didn't tell them I was pregnant because, you know, you don't have to share that. You don't don't have to share that. (laughs) Uh, Because I was, you know, worried that that would affect their choice. And you'll know eventually. (laughs) (laughs) They did. I told them like literally in that first like few days after I got there. But um, and I had like a great boss and great people and it was completely fine. But I know that like um, I was very I wish I wish I, I had been had more confidence in myself at that time to really like stand up for what I needed as like a young mom and as um, someone who was going through another pregnancy Um, just because like I, I only took a six week maternity leave with my second because I was worried that I'd be judged 
for being brand new and then being off for three months. And I was worried about like, I didn't breastfeed for my second one because I was worried about how to do that at work. Yeah. Like what that involved. Cause I was just like, I'm so new. I don't, I don't want someone to see me as someone who's like not working, yeah. you know? And so, oh man, like if I could go back, I would change that for sure. Cause with my third kid, I was like, I know that I take the full 12 weeks. I know that I will pump in a closet for a year if I have to, like I, you know, did what I needed to do, but I just didn't have that confidence at that stage. Yeah. That is a little overwhelming though. I can imagine, you know, put myself in your shoes. Like you said, as a young mom, Mm -hmm. trying to advocate for your needs at a brand new facility, I can imagine it's probably pretty challenging. So it was, and like a lot of us zookeepers know that like, there's a lot of people in the animal field that are in the animal field because they're not people, people. Right. (laughs) So there's usually very few keepers that also have kids. Like I was the only one for a very long time at my first job that had kids. Um, So I felt like I didn't, I didn't know if I'd have anyone that would understand or would be on my side. It's changed a little bit. There's definitely more people I know now that have families in the animal field, but it's still not really a norm. I don't feel like. Yeah, no, I agree. I feel like for the longest time, even as an older mom, I consider myself an older mom. I had my entire <laughs> life, <laughs> but like, I'm still one of the only, you know, keepers or people in the animal department here in Naples, even that has children. Mm-hmm. And so there's just not a lot of other moms <laughs> that have that like similar shared experience. And, you know, zookeepers in general, I think are notorious for like feeling guilty, like how their personal life is going to impact all their coworkers at the zoo. You know, well, if I call out, then they're going to be short today and, you know, X, Y, and Z won't get done. And then to have, you know, your reason be because you're a mom and there's a baby involved. Yeah. That guilt is just unreal. Sometimes did you struggle with that then? Or do you continue to struggle with that? Um, I, I struggled with it then very, very much so. Um, but then there was another person at Moody Gardens who a couple of years later, she got pregnant and I saw this, this girl, this woman, um, fight for exactly what she needed. She is a powerhouse of a person. I don't know if she wants me to share her name, um, but she, I literally like was like, these are the needs for my kid. These are the needs for my family. Um, these are the needs for like, how I feel like I can continue working here. And um, she, she communicated very professionally, but also just with such tenacity of like, I know that my family is important to me. And it really inspired me to have that same type of like gung ho, like, why should I be fighting so much for my like zoo family, but not my personal family? Like, you know, they're my personal family is like, you know, that's not going to change you know, no matter yeah. where I am. Um, and so I definitely make my kids the priority now. I I have transitioned in my career. I've been doing this since like for 13 years or so. Yeah. Um, that uh, like my, my, my work-life balance is way better than it was years ago. Like I, when I'm at home, except for right now where I'm at home kind of talking about work. <laughs> I'm usually very good at separating the two. No, that's good. And that's something I definitely want to talk about because I think that work-life balance in this profession, whether you're a mom or not, is sometimes almost non-existent. There's like so much bleed over. It's so hard. 
It's so, so hard. So how do you balance that right now? How do you leave work at work? So one of the biggest things that I do, it it actually comes down to my words. And it's something that I tell like new keepers all the time if they're struggling with this, because now I'm considered an old keeper, um, (laughs) is that when someone asks you like what you do, we're so used to saying I am a zookeeper. And I don't say that anymore. I say my job is that I work at the zoo. And because it's not who I am. And so even though it's just words, like separating out that I am statement, that identity statement um, of being like, I am a mom or I am a wife. Or for me, I'm like, I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. Saying those things, I can say I am. But for a zookeeper, I was like, that's my job. That's what I do for a living. That's where I'm at, you know, 40 hours a week but it's not who I am. And so that has really like kind of altered my mindset to really get my head in the right space, which then can help really everything else, I think, fall into place in terms of where I put my priorities and where I put my time. Um, Yeah. That's amazing. I love that (laughs) you can do that. (laughs) And I totally 100% agree with you. Like you have it's not our identity, right? Because I've struggled with that in the past too. I was telling another um, person I interviewed that I years ago spoke to a life coach because I was like, you know, I want to leave the field. Maybe I don't know. And I just don't know what I would do. And she was like, well, you know, what makes you upset about leaving the field? And I was like, because it feels like being a zookeeper is my identity. It's like who mm-hmm. I am. It's like who my family knows me as. Like, you know, they buy you gifts related to being a zookeeper. <laughs> All the animal stuff in the world, like that, that's how they introduce you. But you're right. Like, that's not who I am. That is my job. And that is right. what we do. It's the same way as someone is a banker or a doctor or a construction worker. Like that's, that's doesn't make them who they are. But why do you think in this field, people struggle with, that being their whole identity. Cause I, I see it a lot, especially with younger keepers. And I so badly want to be like, learn how to separate this for your own mental health, <laughs> because if not, you're going down a slippery road. I think, I think, I mean, it all has to do with the fact that this is a passion field, which we are not, we're not the only passion field. We are not the only people who have this struggle, but it has to do with the fact that like you're, quality of work is their quality of life when it comes to the animals that you take care of. So I think that there's just, there's so much empathy involved. There's just so much like heart involved in it because like, if you, I don't want to bad talk any other type of career, but you know, if you screw up at, like I used to work fast food service in high school. Um, and if I screwed up and someone, um, got the wrong meal, I would just be like, let me make you a new one. Um, But if you screw up at work, uh, you know, it can be a bigger deal in terms of safety for you or the animal or health. And so I think that there's just, there's so much heart involved in it that it's, it's hard to not care about those animals when you're not at work because they literally become your family. You know, like I, like I have animals at work trained for things that my dogs at home are not trained for. (laughs) my dogs will not let me trim their nails <laughs> I, I can't but at work you know we can blood draw train and you know do ultrasounds and you know so much cool stuff with our animals that we're like you know we're constantly thinking about them I literally just got a text the other day from a friend who was giving me an update about a tiger that I haven't worked with in four years but I still 
cared and was like, oh my gosh, is she okay? And, you know, like just, you know, information like that, because, you know, they're, they become like family. So I think, I think that that's why. Yeah, we do. I mean, we spend so much time with them. Like you said, eight hours plus a day, sometimes five days a week. Like sometimes I feel like I spent more time with zoo animals than my own kids when when Silas was younger. So yeah, yeah, I totally get that. Yeah. Um, what are some things in your zoo career that you have been the most proud of accomplishing as a working mom? <laughs> um, I, I think I'm a person, I love talking to people, <laughs> which is why I said yes to this, but, um, I like enjoy communicating. I'm not afraid of public speaking. I had almost minored in, um, like public speaking as, um, in college. Cause I really, enjoy it. So I've done several like presentations um, at different conferences like Fila Tag or at AZAC. Um, and I've been really, you know, proud of those. It's always fun and it gives you a lot of, um, you know, confidence moving forward when you can share something that you've done and see how it can help a factor improve um, other, you know, animals, other keepers um, be successful with what they do. Um, So I love that any type of professional development opportunities, I feel like are very, um, you know, they give you all the good feels. Yeah, yeah. Have you found it hard to um, advocate for yourself to take place in some of those or take part in some of those conferences or trainings, knowing that, you know, if you're away at a conference, it's going to impact, you know, your children at home and, and they, they're older. So they've got things going on. I'm sure activities. that's where I am incredibly blessed in the fact that I have a, um, I don't know if I can cuss on this show. I was going to say <laughs> kick-ass. I don't know if I can say sure, that. Go for it. <laughs> I have a kick-ass husband. Um, it was super, super supportive. Um, he's always been supportive of my career and knowing that this is something that I'm passionate about. Um, and so when I have an opportunity that arises like this, we just were awesome at working it out of just like making it happen. Um, when I was in Dallas, uh, they have an awesome program. They send multiple caretakers per year, uh, to work in the field of conservation, um, usually related to species that they work with at the zoo, but, you know, to really get them involved with, you know, why why we work at a zoo, you know, we care about the animals in the wild. And so I got the opportunity to go to Thailand for like two weeks. That's amazing. And it was amazing, but (laughs) obviously like that, that's a big deal. That's being very far away. That's, um, you You know, not home quickly if you need to. (laughs) No, there is no quick, like, Oh, something's wrong. Uh, let me get a plane ticket and I'll be home in 24 hours. Um, but, uh, so that was like one of the first, like big things where I was gone for a very long time. And, um, you know, my husband just did what he had to do to make it work and was like, completely, it never made me feel guilty about it. Never made me feel like that I was missing out on things that I was, you know, not being there for them. Like, uh, that he was helping them be proud of me for it and be like, mom's getting to do this. Mom's so awesome. Like, you know, they, he would just like, you know, try to show them that, you know, this is something that I get to do because I'm doing a good job at work. You yeah. know, like he was always positive about it. And so he's continuing to do that whenever I've had opportunities like that arise um, of just, you know, making sure that he shows his support so that he's being a good example to the kids, you know, of, we always want them to see like, 
what is a good spouse, what is a good dad, what is, you know, so that when they grow up, they can have those positive like moments to look back on. Um, So I think that that has made it a lot easier for me. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Is there anything in your zoo career that you were like, yeah, maybe now is not the right time to do that because I have small children at home or, or you just, you know, as a mom, does that constant mental load. So it's like, maybe right now I don't have the capacity for that. Yeah. So there's two big things that stick out to me. And one is like, I would have loved to take advantage of the people who can like go work at like CCF for a month or people who can go do three months at a um, zoological facility in Alaska where Mm -hmm. you live on site or whatever. Like all of those opportunities that I see where I'm like, that sounds so cool. Uh, But there's no way. (laughs) Like we decided two weeks is pretty much my limit before my husband does get a little stir crazy. Um, But uh, so some of those things where it's like, if I had, you know, waited to have a family um, that I might've taken or hopefully taking advantage of those types of opportunities um, before. But then most recently is for the past three years, I was um, a program leader for an SSP and it was, I enjoyed it. I loved talking to the other facilities. I loved um, knowing that I was making a difference in a population, um, but it was so much time out of work because I I'm not a supervisor level or curator so all of that stuff the majority of it was on my personal time and at the time I thought I could balance it and that you know I would just use my time wisely when my kids were at school because I still have weekday weekends like so many other keepers uh, that I thought I could do it and that was one of the factors that made me decide to give that position up because it was I wasn't doing enough work to make it successful, but Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to give up my family time to make it successful. So like, I knew that like someone else would be able to do it better if they had, you know, different, you know, time demands in their life than I did. Yeah. As as a fellow SSP coordinator, (laughs) I uh, empathize with you on that because it is a lot of time out of your day sometimes, especially around, you know, when you're trying to do breeding plans and stuff like that, it's, it is a lot of work hundred percent. Yeah. And I took over when I was on maternity leave, which was maybe not the smartest time in my life to do that. (laughs) And they were migrating to Zim's. (laughs) So it was like, uh, I'm like, have a baby and I'm nursing the baby and I'm on the phone with like the population biologist in Chicago. And I'm like, Oh, this is a little too much. I'm not sure that I thought that through. So amazing. It's okay now, but it, yeah, it, it can definitely be challenging. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you are an example of not giving up and I'm an example <laughs> that it's okay to give up. It so, is you know, okay. Yes. Up, so. Yes. There's both examples here. Um, I'm curious to know if you think you have any skills that you developed as um, a zookeeper that have transferred over into your mom life training for sure and not in the fact that I like train my kids but the idea of um like communication um the idea of reinforcement the idea of yet again this the girl I talked to you about that had tenacity back in the day um she would always talk about setting up for success it was like her favorite sentence and I want to set my kids up for success um and so like giving them choice and control like all of those like 
words that we use in the zookeeping field is really, they're just like their behavior words. So in terms of, you know, encouraging positive behavior from my kids um, and really, you know, showing them, you know, how best to make decisions and thinking things through and um, that type of stuff, I think has been really helpful. Also in the zoo world, I've had mentors who have encouraged me to read books about leadership or about communication, about teamwork. And even though I'm reading those things for a work purpose and they have been helpful for work for sure, um, they really have been helpful for just communicating with my spouse and communicating with my kids um, of trying to, um, you know, not get angry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like as a mom, it's really easy to explode. <laughs> yes, sensory overload, and then you just can't help it. <laughs> exactly. So trying to, you know, display, you know, proper behavior myself, all of that, you know, mixed together, I think definitely overlaps between things that I've learned and do at work and what I do at home. Yeah. Do you think that you have any special mom skills that have transferred over to the zoo? <laughs> um I'm very patient with kids. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like when we have school groups or when, um, you know, you're giving a keeper chat and you're being asked the same question over and over, uh, you know, being told a story instead of a question, um, that type of stuff. I think that my patience and my comfortability with that age group is definitely more than some of the coworkers I've had Um, just because like I do enjoy kids in general. Like some people are like, I like my kids, but I don't like kids. Um, well, yeah. I, I I genuinely love like all kids. I just, I love their energy. Like I work with kids at my church too. So like, I, I really do enjoy um, children just because, you know, they, there's such an opportunity for the future in them. So like, I think that that is definitely transitioned over. Yeah, that's awesome. I know I become the, um, if I'm with a group of keepers and we're out in the park and someone talks, maybe stops and asks a question. If it is one of those questions that is from a little kid about how do you tell a boy animal from a girl animal or (laughs) um, the questions often about like, you know, where, where, how do they have their babies? Like any, anything surrounding reproduction, everyone always turns and looks at me and is like, (laughs) can you answer that? You have kids, you know what to say. (laughs) So yeah, that that does definitely come in handy, you know. Yes, little kids yes. for sure. <laughs> Do you have any other coworkers right now that are moms? Um, yes. Yeah, so I have um, one coworker who has a two-year-old, and then um, my boss has. I think his son is nine now. Um, so we do have um, a little bit of where I know you know there's a little bit of stories that can be shared or <clears throat> things like that. Um, now that my kids are older and, you know, they're in, getting into the teen years, um, I mean, everyone at work, I feel like enjoys some of the stories that I I'm sure. share. <laughs> Just because I think that now they're becoming like mini adults. So the stories are a little bit more relatable versus saying, you know, what my three-year-old did the other day. To- yeah. Yeah. That's true. They're becoming little adults or little humans. <laughs> with, you know, their own exactly. personalities. It's cool. <laughs> Um, just a couple more questions as we wrap up, because I really want to know what you think the biggest challenge has been having kids and then being a working mom or and specifically a working mom in this field, which can be sometimes so very like physical and, and emotional and, and mental and you're invested. What's what's been the biggest challenge? Oh, there's so many challenges. Girl. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> 
Um, I, I think, well, one is, is you, you think that you're tired when they're young because they're not sleeping and you're not sleeping. Um, but the tiredness never goes away. Mm -hmm. Um, because even though now, like I have three kids who can, you know, they can make themselves breakfast, you know, they can do, um, a lot of things to take care of themselves. It's more now that like you are so busy with schedules that you still don't get much sleep. Um, like this past week was baseball tournaments and we weren't getting home until 11. And, um, I know a lot of keepers in the field who go to bed at like eight and they don't have kids. I know, right? (laughs) You're tired. Your body is just exhausted. And I personally, I, I'm not that old, but my body sure thinks it is. Um, And like I tripped the other day and I fractured my elbow. Like (laughs) I am frail, (laughs) literally just breaking apart. Um, And so it's definitely, I think I thought that as the kids got older, that it would be easier and, um, it hasn't been. Um, but something else that I didn't expect is like in this field, we all go through like animal loss and, um, sometimes that can hit you like a ton of bricks and it's very challenging. And I had that happen this year. And something that I didn't expect was how my kids were going to support me and really like be there for me. Um, like my seven-year-old was like, great. Like one day I just, it was a really rough day and he just came and hugged me and didn't say a word, but just hugged me for like 10 minutes straight because he knew I needed it. And it's just being able to like the fact that they can understand how important my job is to me and how important those individuals, the animals are to me. Um, they're learning so much about like empathy Mm-hmm. And I I didn't know that that was going to happen. And even though it's been hard, I think it's like, it's been something that they get to see and learn from that is really special. Yeah. Yeah. We have had some pretty significant losses at Naples as well. And it, it has surprised me thus far that Silas, who's my oldest, has really taken a lot of those losses very like but very hard, like very personally, like he cries and he can see Scott and I crying, my husband, Scott. And like, I don't know why it should be so surprising though, because he knows what we do for our job. And he hears us talk about these animals on a daily basis, like their family members. But, but then also like, I'm, I'm glad that he is feeling that so much and is open to like sharing that, like you said, creating empathetic little humans, like they're, they're learning so much empathy from this and seeing something that mom and dad are so like, proud to be a part of and that's important to them and then being able to you know offer support in the way that he can which right now is through drawings of the animal I'm happy for that like yeah that is but it is definitely a challenge because if I've lost an animal at work that day and then I have to come home and you know sometimes almost put on a smiley face for the two-year-old because he's doing two-year-old things and exactly like that can be really exhausting (laughs) it can be because also like I was I remember telling my husband, I was like, oh man, I don't want the kids to see me like this. Like I want them to see me as strong. Like I'm mom, like I am superhuman. Like I'm awesome. Um, But like, you know, sometimes like realizing it's okay for them to see those other sides of you. Um, Yeah. It's just, it's just been part of the journey that I guess I didn't really, you know, expect. Yeah. My husband and I talked early on and and decided that we were just going to be really honest with like the kids about like, death and you know 
losing animals at the zoo because you know Naples, Naples has a smaller collection and you know when the kids go there and Silas goes there he like he's pretty familiar with like most of the animals so mm-hmm. he recognizes like when one is not there mm-hmm. but making that conscious decision to try to be really honest with Silas about what has happened has been hard <laughs> because you just want to shelter them from that you just want to be like oh no 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 you know like they just they they went up to heaven they went over the rainbow bridge like, <laughs> but trying to be really honest with him I think has paid off in the long run because he seems to to better be able to like really kind of like process it and handle what's going on so mm-hmm. but I did not imp- in, in, as a new mom I'd never a million years thought that that was something I would have to consider or to really deal with like exactly. as they got older, you know, you're yeah. like, this is the job and these are my kids. And, but yeah, it does kind of, there's that crossover again. So mm-hmm. yeah. what do you think um, if you could tell yourself anything <laughs> pre kids, uh, give yourself any advice, what would you have told yourself um, going into motherhood? Oh, goodness. It's so cliche. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It would be how fast time goes. Oh, that's true. (laughs) The most cliche thing that everybody tells you and you're like, it's, you know, 11 o'clock and the baby won't stop crying. And you're like, no, it's not going fast enough. Yeah. Um, I remember it like, so we are pretty, I think we have similar parenting strategies. We are also very honest, but one of the things that I've always done that people are always like, wow, the way mom, like Libby parents is just unique is like, I talk to them like they're adults, even though they're not (laughs) like, it's just like, you know, you're people, I don't need to talk to you like a baby. Um, and so from when they were very young, I would just like tell them everything like it was. So I always wanted to be like, oh, I just can't wait till they're older so that we can just have a conversation so that they can just like tell me this, or I can't wait till you're older so that we can you know, do this together. I need you to be taller so that we can ride roller coasters. Like I was just always looking forward to when you're older, when you're older, when you're older. And, um, now it's like, bring me back, bring me back, bring me back. Like, you know, I like look back at memories or, you know, videos and pictures of just, you know, how silly they were when they were Mm -hmm. four and five and things like that. And, um, I miss it. And I, I think just like never wanting to look forward or look back and just like just basking in the now is just I feel like just so important. Like every day you can have like an awesome memory that you make. So yeah, yeah no, I agree. Has nothing to do with zookeeping at all. <laughs> but. Well, no, but that's important because I mean sometimes you do get caught up in like the humdrum of like your daily life and you're moving forward and you just want to like you know, succeed in what you see down the future. I mean, we do the same thing in our careers and and then all of a sudden it is the future (laughs) and you're like, oh my gosh, how did you get 15? Like, how did you, all of a sudden now you're turning three in October and and I, you know, want another baby. Like, (laughs) just like, you know, you miss, you miss that. So exactly. Well, and even like you said, like we do it in our careers. Like I, I will fully admit when I was in Dallas, I wanted to move up. Not that I don't want to move up now, but like that was the goal. Like, you know, like you've got to move up in a position, you got to get higher, you've got to, you know, reach the next level and that it was this ladder. And I'm just like trying to climb this ladder. Mm -hmm. And I was so obsessed with it that it's, 
it made me a challenging person to be around, not only at work, but at home. Like I wasn't the same mom. I wasn't the same spouse because I was so fixated on that goal. And when we moved here to Oklahoma City, I technically versus my like my title, I technically took a demotion, but I decided that wasn't the purpose. Like if that happened and I had that opportunity, that was going to be great. I was still going to like kick ass, yeah. you know, every day and do my best and try to, you know, be a good keeper. But that wasn't the goal. The goal was to enjoy my job, enjoy my family. And now I look at success as I love to say this because it was from a book that I read because reading books is awesome. But I see success as a jungle gym. So there's multiple ways to succeed. There's not just one path. You don't have to be right behind somebody. You can move to the side. You can, you know, there's other opportunities and other things that can make you successful that isn't, you know, becoming a supervisor or becoming a director or something like that. There's so many other ways to be successful in this field and to be successful at life, to be successful as a mom. Like, you know, when I see like when one of my sons spends time with another family and I have those parents be like, he was so kind, you know, like he is such a well-behaved kid. Like he just is such a nice person. I'm like, that is a win. Like that is success. Like, you know, you're literally raising future humans. Like we always say that, like, I mean, they are humans. Let's get that right. <laughs> They're not robots now and then future humans. <laughs> They're humans. They're not aliens. Um, but like, I always say that like we had three kids because I like, I was given the job to create awesome, kind, like godly, wonderful men who were going to be respectful to women who were going to be, you know, good members of their community. Like that's what my job is. And so like whenever they succeed in that, like I am successful regardless of whether it's in my career or not. No, I like the part what you said about like being successful as a mom, because like that is also a hard job. And I, I sometimes wonder if new moms or, you know, I've done this myself kind of like discount that part of being a mom. Like there are successes that you a hundred percent get as a mom, whether they are having a nice kid who, you know, is out in the world being kind to others or, you know, whether it's um, just creating a little success within your day when you get your toddler to finally, you know, learn how to go to the bathroom by themselves, like, (laughs) which is what we're about to embark on. (laughs) Like there are so many successes as a mom that like, I hope that moms are, you know, recognizing and celebrating too, because it, you know, you also grew them in your body. That's super successful (laughs) with body image. Like my husband tells me all the time, like you literally made two humans in your body. Like (laughs) that's a success. (laughs) Yeah. I really do hope that um, moms can also recognize that like you might have career successes, but like, yes, you have so many successes going on at home with your children. So yeah, yeah, it's super important too. Okay. Lastly, my last question will be for you. Um, what's a piece of advice you would give a zoo mom, any zoo mom, whether they're an old mom, like (laughs) they've been moms for a while and they're older in their career. They're just at a six week old at home. Like, what would you tell them? (sighs) I, I mean, I literally just told someone this who's pregnant with their first and that's just like, never stop making your kids a priority. Like 
just never stop from when they're, you know, when you are fighting for, you know, a longer maternity leave or for when you're, you know, working towards, you know, getting your weekends changed or using your vacation time, you know, whatever it is, just making sure that you don't, that you don't miss those moments to be at work for one more day, that you don't miss those moments to get, you know, one more extra hour of computer work in or whatever it is that like you, you just prioritize your kids, prioritize your family. Um, and then everything else will still go great. Like, yeah, you know, you'll still, like you said you know, earlier, your family is your family. You're going to have them forever, but your job, yes. you know, it can come and go. So as someone who has moved around a bit, right? <laughs> come and go. <laughs> I love that Libby. I love your outlook. I love talking to you about all things. So I'm super grateful that you um, decided to talk to me today. And I just, I couldn't be happier. So thank you so awesome. much. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Fellow mom to mom, zookeeper to zookeeper. Yeah. <laughs> All right, folks, there's my conversation with Libby. Hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I think the takeaway for this episode is that it's really important to advocate for yourself as a mom. And it's also really important to advocate for your family. You know, as working moms, we might have certain needs that we need. And I'm not going to say that it's always easy to advocate for them, especially in the zoo field because of the unique characteristics of us having to care for animals and the time constraints that come with that during the day and certain things have to be done at certain times of the day. And But like I was saying in the intro, you know, camp is from nine to four. My need as a working mom is to be able to try to accommodate that. And yes, I'm privileged because I have an office job and that is a lot easier because I do think if I were caring for animals right now as a zookeeper, how the heck would I accommodate that? I don't know. My day starts at 730. I'm going to take off right then and there and go check on animals and start caring for them. So it it's obviously going to be very situational. And as a mom, you're going to have to find a way to advocate for that because um, that's just super important in advocating for your family and making them a priority. Um, can be super challenging to those of us who have had the zoo as our priority for maybe even decades before children came into the mix. So it's not easy, but it's an important conversation. And I hope to have a little bit more of it here on the podcast. So if you enjoy the podcast and you also like listening to these episodes, just make sure that you're subscribing and following wherever you listen to podcasts. That way we'll automatically show up in your feed every Thursday morning um, and you won't miss a beat. So thanks so much for the support. And again, I look forward forward to talking to you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mothering Wildlife Podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Johnson. This podcast is produced by John Rossi. Check out his podcast, Rossafari and Conservation Tales, wherever you listen to podcasts if you really want to learn all about the amazing people that work in zoos. Theme music by John Rossi and Taylor Isaac Gray. Visit us on Facebook and Instagram at Mothering Wildlife to like and follow us. If you are a mom that works with wildlife and you want to share your story, reach out to me at motheringwildlife at gmail.com.